I found that, you know, founders get stuck on their ideas rather than the outcomes. So there's like this, you know, this is the problem that we're solving and this is how we're doing it. Um, and it's hard sometimes to disconnect the goal with the product. Welcome to Fintech Fun. Fintech Fun is a podcast where Australian fintechs come to share their stories. Hi, it's Chris Titley here as part of the Fintech Fun podcast. I'm joined by Ben Williamson, co-founder and CEO of Fresh. Fresh Equities or Fresh? What do you want to call it, Ben? Yeah, so Fresh is kind of like the head co now. Fresh it's like the, the, uh, the catch-all. Yeah. Excellent. Well, welcome um, welcome to the Thank podcast you. and thanks for coming on. Cheers, man. Very, ben, let's uh, talk very about, happy to be here. Good. Excellent. Uh, thank you. Um, ben, let's talk about Fresh, mate, uh, the, the early days, how the idea started uh, and, and, and how it all began, the business itself. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Interestingly, so my co-founder and I, so my co-founders, Reese Davis, um, we've been friends for uh, probably about nine years now. Um, he's, he's now wife and my wife have been best friends for 25 or, 50, uh, 25 or 30 years. Um, and when he and Sam started dating, uh, we were the, you know, the, the couple that got brought out to uh, veto or give input or those sorts of things after they've been dating for a few weeks and we got introduced and it took about 12 minutes for him and I to just like wander off and have a beer and uh, we were fast friends very quickly uh, which was fantastic and he he really opened my eyes to a lot of things um, startups uh, as one I wasn't I wasn't really into startups at the time um, sort of a first principles approach. Like my background is uh, I'm an ex-auditor. I was at KPMG. I was at Telstra. Then I worked in a, in a whole bunch of fast growth companies as well. You know, companies like True Value Solar, which went in three years, it, its top line revenue went 7 mil, 21 mil, 220. Wow. Uh, so, you know, three bagged and then 10 bagged on top, just crazy numbers. Uh, so I had really good exposure to fast-growing SMEs, uh, but startup was a was a different game, and and definitely approaching problems from a first principle point of view just wasn't sort of how I was educated, shall we say. So we worked um, for a while together, just sort of throwing ideas. You know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners of here have done with their friends. Um, I'll just throw ideas wife, around I've had about 400 of them. So, uh, <laughs> that's it. Uh, and ideas are cheap. Uh, and we, we played with a lot of different aspects. We, uh, we nearly bought a pram business, an online pram business. We nearly started a, uh, social media app for pickup games. Uh, and, uh, that, that got pretty close. 
And we we ended up coming together on a project called DealPad, which was the precursor to Fresh. Uh, DealPad was a uh, something that we'd been working on offline for a bit. We brought together and uh, and raised some seed funding after we got customer validation. And that was a sales funnel, like a SaaS sales funnel, but for private companies raising capital. So it allowed you to asynchronously take people through the sales journey, uh, education, sort of, you know, through awareness, education, engagement, commitment, and close. And we helped a, a bunch of startups raise their seed and, and Series A run, rounds in that. And we did about 20, 25 companies, something like that, uh, in the six months that it was alive. And it was it was really strong, but the market for it was very small. Uh, and, you know, you would end up having to take a, a relatively large fee out of someone who was raising, you know, their first sort of half a mil or a mil. And it just wasn't how we wanted to scale. And luckily for us at the same time uh, that we were going through that journey on whether or not we wanted to continue that business, we saw in the market that there were just people jumping up and down anytime a company went to raise money, a listed company. So you'd have an ASX listed company. There's 2,200 of them, uh, about eight or 900 raise every year. Most of them are quite small, but they've got a large band of uh, engaged but arm's length shareholders. So people that are unknown to the company. And when a company went into a raise, they'd appoint their lead broker. The lead broker would then offer the deal to the people they know because uh, it's only open for a day or two. And unfortunately, this sort of large group of uh, highly engaged, uh, you know, high conviction investors just weren't able to access the discounted raise in the company that they know and like. So we saw this opportunity. We we did some validation, and it was a Friday afternoon at about three o'clock. We decided, sort of like, fuck it, let's just give it a go. And we, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to actually beep that out now using my one of my whiz bang kits. You know that. <laughs> Surely, is it's all right to say that on this? It is um, perfectly fine, Ben. So continue on. <laughs> So to give, I guess, to give a um, give a frame of reference for your listeners, we we're about a year into DealPad at this time. We'd spent six months building before releasing, uh, which in retrospect was a mistake. Uh, we thought we had the answer before we'd even built it. We had got some validation. So, you know, we had traction and people using it and people raising great outcomes. Monetization for us was the issue because we didn't necessarily want to monetize that upfront engagement. Um, on the flip side, we were looking at this problem in the listed market. We had limited resources. There was just Reese and I full-time and we had a part-time developer uh, with us. Reese is a full stack dev as well. So pretty limited resources. So we had to be quite nimble about trying this. We wanted to give ourselves a fortnight to see what we could do in a fortnight, see if we could solve the problem. We got access. Oh, first of all, we 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 just spun up a new website. We literally, I think we came up with fresh equities in about an hour in a, in a boardroom with a whiteboard 
because the the dot com was available and it sort of matched what we're after. Uh, we then spun up like a, a landing page website. We got access to a transaction. I think it was like a Bell Potter-led transaction or something at the time. And uh, we were just bidding through a, a third party who was, who was bidding into it. Uh, and the goal was really, can we make this deal more accessible? And can we find one person who is a sophisticated investor, so able to participate, who wants to participate without giving them any advice and get them to, you know, go to this you know, landing page, brand new brand website and put in their details to subscribe for $10,000 or more. So can we can we get one person for 10 grand? And on the first offer that we did, we got six people hmm. for 300,000 total. Wow. Which was kind of insane. And the, and the hmm. process was awful. We handed them over to another broker. They then had to like open an account with that broker same day. Uh, but one person did and invested $50,000 and we earned some revenue on that first ever transaction. And then we thought, well, that was good. We hit our targets of, you know, one or more people for 10,000 or more dollars. And we smashed that by six and 300. We did it in 10 days and not the 14 that we'd set. So that was great. Uh, but maybe it was a one-off. So we tested it again. And on the second try, we actually had someone who was a top, I think he was a top 30 shareholder. The company was raising, I think, 15 or $20 million. And this person wanted to invest $1.5 million in the business. Mm. And his lowest friction way of trying to do that was not to call his broker, was not to, you know, call the company uh, or the broker running the deal. He didn't know who the broker running the deal was. It was to put his details into our website and press submit. Uh, and that was a really eye-opening um, activity that, that drove, you know, over the last three, four years, we've worked on 1,500 transactions for more than $600 million. Wow. And, and after you've established that there was a Potential alignment, I suppose, from people that are interested in the company to existing shareholders. Um, did the company or <clears throat> the broker or anyone know who these people were when they were taking the money up and moving forward to that next stage of potential identification and or feedback to, to the parties involved? How's that evolved? Yeah, so it, it evolved quite a bit over the time. So um, it started off as a um like a notice board service where we would essentially have a um, a notice board of transactions and investors would say i'm interested in this think of it as you're walking into a um a travel agency and you've got a, a whole bunch of um flyers on the wall. yeah destinations right and they pick one up and they say i'm interested in this and we say great we'll pass your details on to the person uh, that's running the bus right? tour and he's running it California. Correct. Yep. Uh, and that's how it started. So we didn't take care, you know, in that first instance, this didn't last for too long, but we didn't take care of KYC, AML. We didn't process anything. Uh, it was just a promotional um, aspect. 
Then we evolved to a like doing the KYC and AML and doing the sophisticated investor checks, et cetera, uh, and started to then also process the transactions. So from a broker's point of view, it went from, you know, here are, here are 10 people who all want 50 grand each um, and you have to then go through and validate and KYC and AML and onboard them and take risk, et cetera, which gives them sometimes the upside of, of new customers and better knowledge of who they are. But the downside is that's a lot of paperwork on a day that you're running a transaction. Mm. Like it's it's a, And because they're so short in time and short duration, it's, you know, they've got closing agreements and, and, and relisting from their announcements to, you know, secondary trading. Yeah. So if you don't get the money, I suppose, and the stock starts trading down or up or whatever, then it's um could, could be a risk. tricky situation, yeah. Yeah, so we we evolved that to be from their point of view. We just gave them a, a single line bid of half a million dollars. Uh, we took care of everything. Say they allocated us three hundred fifty thousand out of out of half a mil. Uh, we would take care of allocations from their point of view. They just get three fifty k in as a line, and the shares go out as a line. Right. Okay. And then from your back end, you'd had to slice and dice individually. Allocate Correct. accordingly to the bids and and yeah, which which ninety well. yeah yeah which ninety plus percent of the time is just a pro rata allocation. Yep, of the, of the actual bid size, and then from yeah. that point of view, being a, being one line or being part of the deals, that the the numbers of deals and your presence grew. How did you grow your presence through that period of time? Yeah, so. Um, all of our, essentially all of our growth for investors over that time was word of mouth. Um, you know, people would go looking f- for the deal that they really, really want, find us uh, from people posting our links on on social media or someone saying, you know, hey, where do I, does anyone know where I can get access to this? And, and we just became known in the market as somewhere that was, a faster way of doing it. Like we had people, I remember, I think it was about an 86 year old signed up and verified in six minutes. Like that's insane. Ready to go full KYC, you know, AML. Um, so for those that don't know, know your customer, anti-money laundering checks, S708. So are they a high net worth investor, sophisticated investor um, ready to go? And that's because we made, we made the really, um, strong decision early on that we weren't going to hold the stock or cash. So when people sign up with fresh equities, they nominate the current broker that they have. So if you're with Morgans and that's the broker that you like and that's the one you want to use, well, now you get access to 400 deals a year on top of Morgans deals, but you keep all your money and your um, stock in the same spot. Right, so, so settle, that, settling direct with the broker. Correct, yeah. Yep. And and whether it's a full service broker or a um, digital one. Yep. And as the business um, evolved and you you saw feedback and you saw your growth and, and your presence in the market, how's the business changed from that point? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> <laughs> Always evolving. Um, look, I think it's it's... 
it's natural to continue to evolve a business. I think that, uh, you know, hunting for additional value is, is what has held us in very high stead. We wouldn't have made that change from deal pad to, to fresh. Um, you know, we made, we made more money, I think in the first month of fresh than we did in the year of, of deal pad. Um, as a, as a commercial success, you know, deal pad was, you know, we were struggling to work out monetization with two and a half of us. Uh, now there's 28 people in fresh. So it's a very good process, I think, to continue to evaluate. It's, it's typically a very hard process, especially for founders. Um, I found that, you know, founders get stuck on their ideas rather than the outcomes. So there's like this, you know, this is the problem that we're solving and this is how we're doing it. Um, and it's hard sometimes to disconnect the goal with the product. Mm. Um, and so I think people do struggle sometimes with that. That's a, that can be a tough one. Do you reckon the, the goal changes or the product changes or both or somewhere in between? I, I think it's a, it's a healthy evolution. So there are some people who wake up with this fully evolved goal, but I think that's very infrequent, especially amongst successful companies. So, you know, if you take a, take computer share, right? Uh, very successful business. Australian born and bred, uh, the Australian registries business that most people listening and, and most of us would know computer share for is less than 10% of their global revenue. Mm, I don't think a lot of people would know that, to be honest. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's like 7%. Yep. So you think about that, if they hadn't have evolved their goals, like it doesn't mean that they've gone away from like evolving it doesn't mean you necessarily go away from what you set out to do. Um, but if they hadn't gone international, if they hadn't gone into other aspects of their business, it just would be, you know, one fourteenth of what they currently are. Yep. And, and let's talk about Fresh's current and some some milestones or some news about the business. You mentioned the numbers of staff that you've mm-hmm. you've got. We're seeing a a bit of a wild old market when it comes to private and public valuations. Um, yeah. How's the business been tracking? Yeah, really, really good. So we, last year, we we started to see that there are a couple of trends within the business forming. One was that we had a really, really strong way of engaging investors. So we treated investors as customers and so when you do that, you start bringing in customer engagement models and onboarding flows and re-engagement like loops and uh, the data that you have around them and how do you move them through certain flows? How do you add value? What value are you adding? And, and there's a different view that we took to that to companies in the market treating investors and specifically shareholders. I think a lot of companies look at their current register 
and they they're always looking for new shareholders whereas the ones that they've got they essentially treat like they're a past sale and the only thing that's going to come up is like a warranty claim like a potential like a buying a new car or something along those lines where it's a one-off and then yeah. after that it's like a service every year or something but you can't sell that car again so that's gone and the money's been made and the and the dollars yeah. and the margins been banked but the the flip is really what companies should be doing and the way that we've always treated investors is they should be thinking about their shareholders as subscribers yep so rather than they've bought the product once and now they can't add value they're actually adding value every month even just by not selling and they're probably your best you know investors to get to buy more stock mm. right because they know the company they've already made the decision to buy in if you would actually engage with them then they would you know allocate the next x funds there instead of another company um and so we we saw that trend we also saw our use of data um, and the fact that we'd worked on 1500 transactions is you know huge differentiator in the market we just seen a lot more even though we weren't running those deals our breadth of vision was just unmatched and we started to see certain patterns emerge and then we started applying um computer science to that uh and ai models as well so what we did last year is we did two things that have really formed um the basis for uh what i sort of call season 2 so i sort of uh, i treat things seasons a season to me is 3 to 5 years of your life it's usually a pretty formative period that you can kind of pull together maybe it's you know having kids or or doing something personally in most cases it's a it's a role at a company for most people in that sort of 3 to 5 year bracket and uh this is really the start of season 2 for us uh and and the way that we got there is we saw these trends emerging or this sort of depth of data that we had internally uh and we did two key things last year we we got more involved in investor relations for companies so to understand and to learn that area we became essentially the outsourced IR firm for about a dozen companies uh, for about 6 months to go on that journey and learn it. And what we were doing then is not just adding value to those companies but internally we were working out which parts of that could have value added through product. Um so we didn't want to you know long term do the service aspect of it but we wanted to understand where can product really play a powerful role here. And the second thing we did uh in December last year is we ran rather than doing placements uh, which are that sort of you know one or two day event to third party investors we ran an enriched share purchase plan so um we we helped a company who really wanted to raise they wanted to raise 20 to 30 million dollars our data and analytics said that they could and we uh we said we we'd get a boost from that if we run it like we would run a deal right so that all the way back to that deal pad stuff the sales funnel how do you take people on the journey how do you know where they are on the journey what are the steps how do you build engagement how do you build um yep the loyalty yeah loyalty yeah everything and so we um 
we we did that with those guys and we ended up raising 44 million in two weeks fantastic outcome um and all the allocations went to the right places and it was it was just fantastic and so we we took both of those into this year and we've just rebuilt over the last few months we've rebuilt our entire tech stack um that was all the value sort of directed at us we've now rebuilt directed to the company and we launched that uh about eight weeks ago now yeah right Uh, well done uh, thank you. And we just crossed a billion dollars of market cap under admin for that um, for that product, which is fantastic, mm. uh, and probably something that I see us uh, doubling in the next sort of four to six weeks as well. Yeah, I think that's been a you know missing piece. Just and, and it's probably not through anyone's fault, I suppose. It's just that the tools and resources haven't been made available to. To management, to investor relations, to to whatnot, and and if you're filling that gap, that sounds like a tremendous opportunity. Yeah, I think from our point of view, uh, no one had looked at this, or, or no one had had deemed to to build it from a point of view of how do we connect the company to the shareholder more. I think most players try and sit between the company and the shareholder. Um, you know, most sort of promotion services and the like. Uh, I'm not talking about IR firms or anything like that. They do a good job of connecting the investor to the company. But the third-party services are really about, you know, Comsec's probably a really good but under-thought-of product in this area. If you invest in Comsec or via Comsec, they don't provide your email address, et cetera, to the company um, for whatever reason they want to stay in the middle and that's really to retain you and to get you trading more um, and that's how they make money. And, mate, um, now we'll shift off a little bit off um, off Fresh and, and, and on to Ben himself, mate. Um, you're talking about seasons. What's been your season in the last three to five years and where's your next season, do you think? So, yeah, I think the last three to five years, probably the last three years for me personally has been a bit of a rebuild. So when we launched uh, Fresh and um, saw the great opportunity that we had in front of us, uh, we were a a single-income family uh, with with two lovely girls um, but in a nice house with a uh, not-so-nice mortgage. And uh, it became a, a choice of, of ours of whether we sell that house and, and get something um, much more affordable um, or I work a night job or my wife goes back to work. And, you know, we very much value our family time, so we didn't want to remove that. So we essentially sold the house. Um, I guess a fourth option was, was give up on the business, right? Uh, but we essentially sold the house for the business and that was um, about four years ago now, three years ago now. And um, and so since then it's been a bit of a, a rebuild personally and uh, and it's been, you know, a very positive one, which is great. Uh, and, and on that upswing, which is even nicer. And uh, we've got a third girl now, which is fantastic as well. So Tess came into the world. She's just about to turn two next month. Uh, and so personally, that's that's kind of been my 
um, my journey. And I think as well, from my point of view, going through that phase of this is my first CEO gig. So going from three people to 28 has been a, a really great learning as well for me uh, and discovering what, what my strengths and weaknesses are in that area has been, has been fantastic as well. I never stop learning, especially with, um, with three kids. I've got three boys of my own and uh, every day is a different challenge and um, highs and lows and low lows and high highs all the way through, mate. Um, but uh, I'd like to thank you for, for telling the fresh story, mate, and from the inception to, to where you are now. One final question I've got about the future and you've grown, grown the business and, um, as you said, to, to, to a multiple of your staff levels from when it was just the two of you, but putting your hat on in 12 months' time, where do you want to see the business? Yeah, look, we've got pretty clear ideas. In in 12 months, we're we're looking at over 100 companies, 100 ASX companies using um, the product uh, to engage their shareholders, understand their shareholders, uh, and potentially, you know, activate and raise from their shareholders as well. Uh, it's a it's a really strong product where we don't. One of the big changes we made through that, which is really propelling our growth there is that we don't participate in the raise fee. So we can help you raise, we can help your lead manager raise, we can help you with the, um, the shareholder offers, et cetera, and we don't charge any extra or participate in that. So that's that's been great and that's really helped drive um, uptake as well. So I see more than 100. I see us also expanding overseas. Uh, in that time. So we've got plans to either side of Christmas head over to the UK. Very similar market over there to here and um, definitely something that our product fits in very well. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be, you know, conquering the, the ASX and getting our toehold into the uh, LSE uh, slash AIM. Fantastic, mate. Uh, thanks um, for, for, for sharing those those plans and sharing sharing the story from um, from the early days and to where you want to go and, and also touching on the the personal life which is certainly um, a big part of the founder journey appreciate you coming on and look forward to catching up cheers chris i really appreciate it for more information on sub 11 jump onto our linkedin or email me chris at sub 11.com.au thanks for listening